Have him be a fish person. Fish person? No, that would actually probably, that would actually get in the way. <laughs> Man, woman, elf, even dwarf. But as soon as the fish person walks in, like, oh, so I see you're reading that audit. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm very busy, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All they hear from there is like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Um, Why didn't he learn common? His lips just couldn't do it. <laughs> Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass, your weekly Dungeons and Dragons fix. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Bornigal. And I'm Will Milton. And we'll be hanging out with you for the next hour to talk about anything and everything D&D related. This week we're taking a look at the Bard Wizard Multiclass, and then later on the Corpse Flower from Mordekainen's Toma Foe. So pull up a chair and listen up. All right, this week we're taking a look at the Bard Wizard multiclass. So bards are uh, full spellcasters using charisma, uh, usually use a musical instrument of some sort, but can also use just spoken word or they're just pure charisma. Uh, Wizards are more of the learned spellcasters. They study the arcane arts and devote their lives to it. Bards' requirements for multiclassing is 13 in charisma, where Wizards is 13 in Intelligence. So, first thoughts, Kevin. So, right away you have that issue of there are two full casters with different spell casting stats. Classing. Classing. Spell. <laughs> Jeez. We could think, yeah. You got this. Yeah. I believe in you. Spell casting stats. Yay! Both charisma and intelligence. And that's always a little rough and feels kind of a little wonky. But... Could still be okay. They don't necessarily need a whole lot more. Um, I, I think there's potential here. I guess there's always some potential. Right. I'll, I, there's a lot of ways to, I think, make a very terrible character, just to be honest. There, yes. There's a lot of combinations you can do where they're just traps. It's terrible. It's not going to be a good, fun right. character to play. I don't, I don't think you're going to have like a, like just a ton of versatility with this. You might just really lock yourself down if you try and do like eight levels in Bard and eight levels in Wizard. And it's like both of them are just going to suck. Right, yeah, I, I like the idea of you dip into one, one or the other, and either yep. could probably work for certain things and to realize certain character concepts. Right. That that being said, there might, just with particular spell combinations that you could pick, there might be stuff you could do to to become versatile, um, just a wide range of spells, a lot of battlefield control stuff. But this is getting beyond first thoughts. It, it right is. Sorry, I, I just want to hear up. your first yes. thoughts. Will, your first thoughts. It's bad. All right, so back to what you were saying, Kevin. <laughs> Do you, do you really not have anything more than that? So, I'll uh, I'll kind of jump in on your incredibly lengthy and totally not first thoughts. But <laughs> this is now the dunk on Kevin episode. Thank God, <laughs> finally moving you beyond. Mean the me. other ones haven't been. <laughs> oh God! All right. So we've got we've got charisma, we've got intelligence, we've got two full casters. This is blah blah blah. The other big problem that I don't think we mentioned is the spell lists are like basically the same there's a lot of overlap there's, oh i don't know does the wizard not get something the bard gets it, cure wounds cure wounds um some buffs some cantrip like the uh, um vicious mockery well, bar, yeah bards get vicious mockery dissonant whispers yeah i mean um, bards get some more other, they yeah. get some different first level spells some things that are i mean they, they do they get different spells um it's just there's a lot of overlap it's a small list totally I, is there, i couldn't find a good way to, to look at it up with official material so i just kind of googled it and found other people trying to put a list together mm-hmm. and it was like five or six spells and most importantly 
as a lore bard, you can just get those. Yeah, there's yeah. there's no reason. And as a wizard, you can no, no. I mean, like, what the bard is separate. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Oh, I'm saying like spells that. Oh, oh, you're saying the bard gets like five or six spells that wizard wizards don't. Does not get. Okay, obviously the wizard gets a ton more because you are correct. Is what yes, that's what yeah. they do. Yep, they yep, get yep. spells. So, all right, you know, you might get. You're you're really not going to make yourself a better or more versatile wizard with your spell casting by going into bard. No. I don't think that's too shocking for anybody. Whereas, um, as I was just saying, on the opposite side of things, where, yes, you can get a couple more spells as trying to go wizard, but you're going to spend a lot more time chasing those than just going lower bard and getting what you wanted off of those 6th level, 10th level abilities where you can just get a new spell from a different spell list. Right. So... Yeah, even non-lore bard at 10th level bards just get magical secrets. You're right. Lore bards just get an additional one at 6, I think. Right. Like that. So I think you've got to have a really clear idea of what you're going for when trying to do this class because, you know, yeah. I, I just I, don't I, see... I, I wouldn't do it for the spells. No. Definitely, definitely not. not. <laughs> we're, two, we're talking about two full spellcasters. They're mostly about <laughs> spells. Bards do have a lot of other really interesting things. Um, so let's say divination wizard. Um, I knew it. I now, knew hold it. on. I'm saying you are a your main focus is divination wizard. Okay. And so you get portent where you get your two pre rolled dice, which you could swap out throughout the day and stuff like that. And then they go bard where they get bardic inspiration. So that's a good way to manipulate rolls. And then they could go lore bard where they get cutting cutting words. So again, it's kind of further manipulation of rolls. Mm-hmm. Yep. It would just be a really uh, kind of support class but it, again just following up with that idea now for what wait 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 i think that has a lot of potential <laughs> all right carry on. that was in poor taste <laughs> <laughs> but i think it was an important distinction to make that was better you brought it back um <laughs> While we're on the silly train, um, I, I do have a name already crafted for this one, we're and I spent on the silly train. Yeah, I spent a lot of time thinking about it because this one was like really bothering me. There's like uh, just not too many ways that you can go with it. Um, <clears throat> the wizard. Ooh, that's really good. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Spell it. Uh, yeah, it's W I Z A R D. Wizard. Yeah, I like that. So, yeah, that, that was a, a wake up at three in the morning and it just came to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, I totally do like the idea of the uh, the divination wizard. I think that overlaps or it, it fits very well. Um, it also lets you kind of flavor the bardic inspiration in a different way, um, because usually it's like in, yeah, it's inspiration. It's inspiring your friends and allies. But this is more of like. Just subtle tweaks to the fabric of reality to get your way. And I think mm-hmm. that's like, that's actually pretty cool and, and works pretty well on both sides. Yeah. Or you could play, if you want to play the divination aspect of it, the future teller mm-hmm. aspect of it, fortune teller aspect yep. of it, where it's, they have an inkling that this person will need to be, right. will need to be given this boost. They give a warning about what's coming mm-hmm. and that's kind of mechanically brought about by here's the inspiration. Down right. The role. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. Um, this is definitely going to come down to a class that you have to dip. It's going to be a dip. I, I can't imagine as we've talked about already doing eight and eight in either of these is going to be just probably really bad, but I do think you can just do a lot with a small dip. Bards get a lot in their first three levels. Mm-hmm. Wizards get a lot in their first two levels. 
um, even just dipping into wizard, you know, two levels, you're getting six new first level spells, right? Which is really good. Um, a lot of them, you don't need to be anything that's reliant on a saving throw. You can get shield. Bards don't get shield. That's a great one. Um, uh, find familiar. That's something bards don't get. Uh, Greece. I love Greece. Bards don't get that. And some ritual spells as well that, you know, I can see actually you get a lot out of, out of dipping into wizard, um, for the first level. Right. So you said not doing it for the spells. I agree. It wouldn't be something you go long term for the spells, but just like a small dip into wizard going into that too, getting your portent or whatever else you want to do. If you want to do your, uh, evocation wizard, then your evocation spells as a bard still would be under the effects of that. So it's really just, I mean, whatever type of wizard you want to do, uh, it might just be harder to figure it out flavor-wise than it is mechanically. Mm-hmm. But I see some benefit yeah. to it. Other way around, too. Yeah, wizard dipping into bard. You get bard inspiration, jack of all trades, right, song of wrath. Amazing, jack of all yeah. trades. Expertise. <clears throat> and then if you go to level three, the first feature of your bard college. Um, and then with a proficiency, you also get light armor. Yeah, and that's really nice because that's freeing up a first level spell slot. Now you don't have to waste it. Waste it. You don't have to use it on mage armor, mage armor right. because light armor really takes care of that. As long as I don't remember the levels of of light armor, but I'm pretty sure there's one that's at least equivalent to mage armor. Well, yeah, it depends on your with decks. decks. With decks, but that's what mage armor is too. Mage armor is plus your decks. Is it 13 plus decks? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think there's a light armor that gives you 13. But at the very least, you get close. Yeah. So like, it's not as big of a concern. I'll take that. You can also use a shield then, which is nice. As long um, um, can bars use a shield? I don't know if they have shield proficiency actually. Why would they have shield proficiency? Why not? They can be martial sometimes. Yeah, honestly, like most things should be able to use a shield fairly well, but I don't think they can. Nope. No. Okay. So you'd have to go one of the um, the ones that are specific to yeah, being I, melee like focused. Valor, which then gets you medium armor too, like College of Swords or Valor. Right. So that could be good. Yeah. I mean, a three level dip just to get more ac get uh the ability to change how you are using your bardic inspiration uh, because it's really just up to you how you want to use it right uh valor lets you add to attack rolls and damage rolls right so you know that can be nice um just to clarify swords does not get shields but small point interesting anyways well they've Um, got two weapon fighting yeah that's the idea you're either a duelist or a two weapon fighter right okay yep that makes sense Though you could get dueling with the shield. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right. So, I don't know. But they don't get them. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I think you can use this to make an interesting uh, Gish character, which is the, the kind of melee sword and caster. caster. Not necessarily sword Sorry, board, you're right. the melee caster. Yep, you're right. Um, Did you look into doing the... Um, what's the wizard sword? Blade song. Yeah. Blade singing, something like that. So, yes. I think I looked, I looked into that as well. The thing that turned me off immediately was the fact that you can't wear armor. To get that intelligence modifier. Armor. Okay, so light armor does work. Pretty sure. Uh, who knows? I don't <laughs> run a podcast, man. Please. If hold. you don medium or heavy armor or shield, it one or use uh, two hands to make an attack with a weapon. Okay, so yeah, that's so you can do light armor. It. Yeah, light armor. I think fine. it gives you proficiency in light armor. Really? Then that, yep. Oh, yeah, okay. You gain proficiency of light armor. Well, that becomes even less worthwhile to go into bard then. But right, you know. Well, yeah, it, it yeah. still has some good yeah. overlap. But it's I think, a, like, yeah, like Blade Song with College of Swords, I think is a really cool flavor mix, right? So, yeah, you get the, the yeah the Blade Song ability. That's where so you can um, activate it and you gain a bonus to your AC equal to your intelligence. Your walking speed increases by ten. Advantage on acrobatics checks. 
and you gain a bonus to any con saves to maintain concentration. Which um, is definitely good. Yeah. If you're up in the shit. Right. And then with College of Swords, you get additional bonus proficiencies. So medium armor, which you cannot use. You can also use your spellcasting focus for your a melee weapon as a spellcasting focus, which is nice. Yep. You get a, a fighting style. Definitely good. Two weapon fighting. And then you get your blade flourishes. Which are, which are also awesome. Yeah, and that's all third level. Uh, go, what are those again? The blade flourishes? So it's another use of your bardic inspiration die when you... Yeah, when you hit, you could ex- choose to spend a bardic inspiration die to do one of three things. A defensive flourish. So you roll your bardic inspiration die and that adds to the damage. You also gain the number rolled to your AC until the start of your next turn. Slashing flourish. I think you can like attack something next to you like within five feet, right? Yeah, yeah, you can expend one use of Bardic Inspiration, cause it a weapon to deal extra damage to the target you hit, and to any other creature of your choice that you can see within five feet of you. So my only, um, I'll say again, this is a trap, a time where you can really mess up making this type of character, is if you're going to go for that idea, you need to go two into Wizard for the Blade Song, and then the rest into Bard, because your charisma is what limits those Bardic Inspiration uses. True. So you yeah. can run into the issue of only getting one Bardic Inspiration per day if you keep it at the 13 required. So, like, you're yeah. almost forced to put more points into Charisma. If you, you know, don't really care about your Wizard spellcasting DC being very high, that's fine. You know, keep Intelligence at 13, increase that Charisma, get more Bardic Inspiration uses. You still have your two Portent die, as mm-hmm. well as whatever other thing you get at two level. Sorry, that's talking Divination. Yeah. The, uh... Blade Song one, you you know, you still get your Blade Song stuff of increasing your AC by really only one in that case. Um, but you still get your 10 movement. You still get everything else that comes with it. So I just think you'd be really remiss to try and do, uh, you know, 18 in Wizard and then two dip into Bard. You're not going to be getting nearly as much as the other way around. Yeah, that's fair. Especially because at, I think it's level five. Bards, yeah, font of inspiration. Bards not only get their inspiration die up to a D8, but they also get them back on a short rest, which is difficult to lose. I mean, that just increases the amount of times you can use it a lot. So, so I, I feel like we're all kind of so much struggling mechanically. Yeah, I mean, here, it's, it's kind of a tough one to. Yeah, but luckily I've uh, I've been saving something. All right, we're going. All right, so that's my intro music, <laughs> Necromancer Bard. Okay. You can raise... Okay, I'm sorry. This isn't mechanic at all. Um, <laughs> but you can totally have skeleton backup dancers. Uh, you can just have, like, a a posse at all times where you're just raising them up. And they sing with you. They dance with you. They act out plays for you. It's probably my favorite combination ever. I think that's in poor taste. <laughs> I already made that exact combination of poor taste for portent you can't do it again no i legitimately think people would be upset about that one <laughs> <laughs> you walk into a bar and you're like all right we, let's let's have a show and then you bring like the corpses of all the local towns folks <laughs> recently deceased it's like let up the why aren't they why aren't they laughing this is great <laughs> but you could reenact thriller yeah like, with really everybody's well. dead family like, <laughs> fallen enemies you don't have to do it like go over to the local cemetery and be like oh no i've got a show tonight and i didn't prepare and just raise some dead bodies <laughs> <That was> grandma <laughs> can 
It make for a really dark character. In combat, that's your thing. After combat's over, you collect all of the corpses. I mean, isn't that what a necromancer hold, hold does? Them around and yeah, and then you use it for. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The necromancer is like, oh, I'm going to create an evil army. And the necromancer bar is like, I'm going to create an evil circus troupe of dead bodies. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty messed up, but like that's their ideas. I want to just have control over a bunch of dead things just to like use for entertainment purposes. That's a, I, I like that as an NPC, uh, like guard <laughs> the undead circus. Right. I mean, oh man, that'd be great as an NPC. Like your, uh, your players, like you did it the other day, like a, a zoo, um, where we were just like wandering the underdark. It's like, here's a zoo. Imagine that, but a circus and you're like brought in and it's like, come check out our circus. And everybody just sits down and just like a bunch of corpses walk out and just start dancing and doing circus stuff. And it's like, uh, do we need to kill this guy? <laughs> is this evil? Like, kind of. Um, this also opened me up to looking specifically at necromancer spells for the wizard. And necromancy has some awesome spells. I, mm-hmm. I, I just don't see people take them very often, but a lot of them have to do with like life draining, where it's like every turn you're doing 48 damage and absorbing half of it into your health. And they just have a bunch of cool stuff. We never rolled this because there is some controversy with the Necromancer Wizard. When you add it to a campaign, yeah. one of their features is now everything's more complicated. Yep. So. No, it totally. But because Necromancy what do you mean by that? Like what, what feature? Undead Thralls is they use Animate Dead at a, like in an official way. Any Any class that can get that spell can do the similar things. But they are kind of built around it, and if you aren't dragging your army of the dead around, you're kind of losing out on the necromancy wizard. Right. Your entire point is you were supposed to be going around, not an entire point, but a big mechanic benefit is the fact that you can go around and raise a huge army of the dead and always have them with you, which does two things. One, it makes combat really slow, because now your bonus action, which is only a bonus action to command them, is spent just directing 12 skeletons which is a lot, Uh, and then your actual uh, outside-of-combat activities are limited because now you have to go into a village and you've got an army of skeletons, or you have to leave them outside and be like, all right, stay in the woods, skeletons, and they're like, and, you know, jaws falling off, and then a kid drops his ball and goes into the forest and sees your army of skeletons, the townsfolk rise up and kill him. And now you got to start all over. Because you got to kill the townsfolk. To well, then, yeah, now you've got new zombies. <laughs> right. new it just, it really does complicate things. It it becomes a, uh, just time management as well as just. The so Necromancer is not a good team player. It's no. <laughs> no. It'd be a great solo campaign. Yeah. If you've only got like one friend and you want to play D&D, make him be a Necromancer. There you go. Yeah. One of the new, um, the. The new starter set that's coming out that was just announced recently is going to be it's going to have rules around doing one on one D and D. Like Wait, how to one change on it one? Up. Like or two person D and D. Two person D and D, one DM, one oh, player. Right. So like basically is really trying to cater to everyone. <laughs> Wizards like of the Coast versus D and D. No, you're right. You're right. Wizards of the Coast realized that they're like, oh, we're leaving out people who don't have friends. <laughs> so now we need to be more inclusive of that. Or just don't have friends that are in D and D, but so they don't have friends. Yeah, no. If you don't have <laughs> friends, you can bully into playing tabletop role playing games. You don't have friends. <laughs> this is a random thing with the necromancy. So I, I 
whenever you cast a spell, it's a zombie or a skeleton, whatever yeah. is appropriate. So then you have the necromancer that's, for whatever reason, super for skeletons. Yeah. I was but, you know, it kind of takes a while to get there. Yeah. So their whole thing is they cart around this vat of acid, and every time they kill somebody, they dunk them in the vat of acid just to get to the bones. And then they animate that. Oof. So, like a necromancer alchemist? That might be time-consuming. Uh, no. Here's a better idea. Okay. You just save up an insect swarm at the end of the day. Okay. And it There's just terrifying magical bugs, and you're like, come on, eat those corpses. You just pile them up. <laughs> like horrible, aggressive magic grubs just tearing flesh from bone. Yeah. Yeah, your party would love that. I'm sure. Because they're all like eating their soup and waiting to go to bed. <laughs> it's just like the nightly thing. You just, yeah, you have a campfire and you're eating. And then it's like five feet behind you is the pile of corpses being swarmed by magical in- insects eating the flesh. I think it'd be even better if the necromancer was like really shy about it. So they like just constantly denied it, brought like brought the corpses out of the immediate area and then just came back <laughs> with a skeleton army. And they're like, how did you get the skeleton? What do you mean? Found them. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you asking so many questions? Did you just cast insects warm to eat all those bodies? No. There's 500 magical centipedes right there eating the bodies we just killed. <laughs> this is Don't a tell very us. centipede rich area. It looks natural to me. Maybe maybe the ranger brought him. He looks like he likes centipedes. <laughs> Stop pinning everything on the ranger. <laughs> Nobody likes centipedes. I mean, if anybody was going to, though, it'd be the ranger. Or the druid. No, I don't. I don't think so. I feel like they'd see it as an affront to nature. And... Yeah, no, centipedes are an affront to nature. Too many legs. Yeah, Too many, many legs. legs. Don't yeah. like them. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Irony being, I'm fine with millipedes. What? They have, like, yeah, a million too. legs. Yeah, but, yeah, but they don't have fine. fucking huge pincers. Yeah, yeah that is a big difference. They're just, like, tubes with legs. It's like, oh, that's kind of cute. Hmm. Centipedes are just terrible. They have like they're they're flat and their legs spread out of the big antennas and pincers. Yeah, not a fan, not a fan. No. Millipedes will like roll up and it's like, oh look at it. They're like flicking around. <laughs> <laughs> Don't flick your millipedes, kid. Um that Yeah, that has connotations. Yeah, that I, I was like that. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we can move on. Good, good. <laughs> um so I was thinking about the uh, enchantment wizard with this as like a social manipulator. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, as I looked at it, I just really don't like the enchantment wizard. I don't feel like they get enough to make the dip into it worthwhile. Uh, they basically get like an in-combat charm person as an action, and it's not tied to a resource, but it's their entire action to maintain it. So the more I thought about it, I was like, eh, it's really not too great. If you go up to, I think, 6th level in it, then it was maybe a 6th or 10th. But you could cast an enchantment spell, and it works on two people instead of one. Yeah, it's 10th. That's really high for something like that. I just I don't love that subclass very much. Yeah, I mean, flavor-wise, it fits really well with right. Bard, especially a Glamour Bard. Exactly. Get the social manipulator and whatnot. But mm-hmm. a Glamour Bard Necromancer, now that fits. Okay, sorry. I'm just that gonna... one doesn't fit. They don't need to glamour the undead. No, they're gonna. Again, I just want backup dancers. That's that's glamour. <laughs> they're gonna like put makeup on all of their their zombies to make them look somewhat alive, but it's like really obvious as their jaw drips off. This was literally the plot of an anime last season. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the um the zombie pop star ones. They're they're, they're idols, right? Is a zombie idol yes, anime. They're... 
I didn't watch that, luckily. Oh, man. It was, like, I will actually advise people watch that if they have way too much time on their hands. And also like anime. And also like yeah. anime. <laughs> okay, so, what else? Alright, what are some roleplay reasons of why a wizard would dip into bard or bard in the wizard? He starts taking improv classes. A wizard has a story to tell? What? That's the so first one. they're a bard? Mm, they're more of like they're a, like... Um, like a, an archivist is the way I'm thinking of it, where they okay. you know, are are writing down these great stories, and they realize that you know most of the population can't actually read. So, what's the best way to tell them? Spoken word. So they start to play up that side of things. Okay, and that probably be a lore bard. Yeah. Okay, that fits. Whew, I just thought of that. Just pulled that one right out of nice. the, the old noggin. So yeah. that was pretty good. Will, what do you got? Just shaking your head. I just got criticism for your ideas. <laughs> I don't bring anything to the table myself. <laughs> just negativity. Uh, I don't know, man. Um, bards, it's obvious. Like, oh, I'm a bard. Now I studied more magic because I wanted more magic. I'm going to say, yeah, going to wizards is always easy. They find a spell book and study it and find out, oh, this is really neat. And Right. What a cool No, bard. would a bard do that where they kind of just had that sort of natural inherent ability to use and cast magic? See, and it's like, oh, man, now here's... I could study really right, hard and right. read these books. Like I could just keep focusing on like playing instruments and being entertaining. I'll right. just get better. Yeah, it doesn't seem very uh, bardish, I guess. I feel like the number one thing is they're going to be like, man, that seems really nerdy. Let's just keep doing what I was doing. Yeah. But I could see a wizard who wants to be more cool, <laughs> realizing that they're just like a total nerd and everyone bullies them and they're like, oh, I'm Yeah, that's, all, that's what I was thinking is the wizard trying to get that charisma up because everybody not impressed by his dumb book learning. Right. But I, I, I can make, you know, mountains move. And they're like, it's okay, so but tell us a story. Do something. <laughs> that cool. guy can play guitar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> um, I, I guess if you kind of take the slightly different take on the bard, maybe not different take about the, where they're more roguish. A bit where they're dealing with kind of more underhanded stuff. They're like almost seeing them as spies. Okay. Uh, which is somewhat of a take on bards. Um, I know like the Dragon Age series was really big on that. And there's a little bit of that in D&D as well. Um, yeah, that could fit with a wizard going into bard. They gave it the Blade Song wizard. And the one a big part of the flavor of the Blade Song is like it's specifically for elves and they're kind of protectors of the realm and so you have this subset of them where they need to be sent out into the world to act as spies for this elven kingdom okay and so they're also so what about that i guess i'm i'm missing the connection to dragon age i never played it so what makes that more spy like what makes bards more like spies what well, they they use their charisma they're they're okay. not like criminals like rogues so to speak they they're truly like spies and manipulators um they, the thought, kind of the thought is they're given access to a lot of things due to these stories they have to tell and their entertainment value. At okay. a time before, like TV and board games and Dungeons and Dragons, its entertainment value was a really big deal. So they would be given access to, like, due to their talent and skills, to access to like kings and stuff like that, um, nobles, high, you know, high-ranking officials and people. Right. And okay. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely kind of makes a good like assassin type character. Yeah. Oh man. We got to keep that for Bard Rogue. Keep that in our back pocket. We've definitely done Bard Rogue. Oh, did we not come up with that? I'm sure we did. Yeah. Are you sure we sure we didn't? No, I'm sure we did. Oh, oh, okay. Because we're so smart. <laughs> but you keep like you say spy, but 
spy almost has like a little bit of a limited connotation. It's like kind of like espionage intelligence work just in general is the right. bard's forte. Right. I can't think of the word for it. This probably isn't one. Spy works, but it does have kind of like a narrow like connotation. Espionage yeah. was pretty yeah, good. Espionage. It's they're going into important places and pretending to just be entertainers, but really they're trying to listen in on the king's day to day dealings and whatnot. Yeah, or try and get <clears throat> certain messages across. They're they're being sent to a kingdom as again under the guys of just being entertainers and being access to the king because of the great talents and reputation, but. Since they then have the ear, they just employ subtle manipulation to try and sway them a certain way to make a certain decision or you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I yeah. always really like that take on Bard. Um, no, that, like that makes sense. It's not, I don't think it's explicitly laid out anywhere like that in D&D, but it can absolutely fit. Um, no, actually, yeah, College of Swords kind of and Glamour are somewhat like that. I think Glamour is actually good because I think with yeah. Glamour, you specifically have the ability to like charm an audience. Yeah. And I can see that being very worthwhile. For yeah. like, you know, after you you play, you're like, <clears throat> you know, you you charm the king and then you ask him some great bit of information that he's now a little bit more willing to give up than he would have right. been before. You know, wouldn't normally tell a, an entertainer like you, but that was such a great performance. <laughs> so I can see that being pretty cool. Yeah. We say a king, but really it's just any, anybody, literally any type of person that you need information like from. Like a magistrate. Right. Sure. Whatever. What about the constable? Sure. Sweet. Do it. <laughs> but in like a little bit of, like in reality, this is, it's an interesting take because our CIA special forces are actually trained in, I don't want to say bardic arts, but kind of. It's how do I convince the local population to take all these guns I brought and shoot them at the people who are ruling over them? <laughs> and they do that through charisma and spreading of stories and stuff like that. You know, it, Ooh, so we do this kind of machine. Stuff. It is <laughs> yeah. it's counterintelligence. Yeah, and we do this in real life, and the bard would be perfect for this role. Right, right. right. But so that's a bard by itself. So then bring the throw wizard a wizard in there. The fold. Um, there, I, I would imagine to be able to do that. There, you need to be intelligent. There needs to be kind of a high level, not philosophical, kind of academic learning to who you are to right. understand that. And how to get the most out of it and how to subtly apply those skills. Yeah, I think that's actually, that makes it kind of interesting because now you're using, yes, your charisma is your ability to talk to people, but your intelligence is more of like being able to study the, like, what tactics work when talking with people and and leveraging that more intellectual side. Yeah. 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 So they're going to be looking over the the history of these like three kingdoms in this area that have always been at war and who wins certain battles and how they do it and kind of how wise this kingdom ahead now or in the past it hasn't been right you know for my ultimate ends what sort of little tweaks and manipulations do i need to put out there to get things to play out how i need them to right to me that sounds very wizardy very very scholarly studying sounds like a nagpa to me <laughs> who were wizards they were initially wizards. they were and then they, they became were. Yeah. <laughs> uh all right so how the magical arcane aspect though feels a little yeah it's a weak. little how bit that, how would that shoehorn in, in there oh yeah okay, like intelligence in this world does kind of reflect an arcane-ness I not guess. always not always but yeah. it really there is a connection to if you want to know things you need to be in touch with the arcane. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely the best yeah. thing that you can spend your time on. 
Like, yeah, hey, you can study history your entire life, or you can study magic and, you know, shoot fireballs. And then use that <laughs> magic to be, like, check history Wikipedia. Right. You know, it's like you could study every book in the world, but you'd like lore legend or whatever. It's like, uh, just fill my head with knowledge. Do wizards Actually, get legend lore? I don't know. I think that's a cleric only spell or like might be. cleric and maybe druid. But there's but tons of other stuff. Like actually, languages and speaking uh, different languages. And stuff Kevin's like that. trying to say something. Kevin, what do you got? I was interrupting you. It's fine. <laughs> divination was it actually fits really well though because they're yeah. they're about looking into the future and also then observing the present through things like scrying and right. clairvoyance and things like that. So that would fit super well. And yeah, why they would have those spells. Or we could just argue that they're just, they know that they're kind of like a one-man operation. They're the ones who are coming up with the plan and enacting it. They're like being the field operative. Yeah. So they need a wide toolbox. And you know, being a wizard is a, is a great toolbox, yeah. yeah. No, then I, you have your spell book and you can learn spells. And, I do really like the idea of like the scrying and using all of that to like gain information. I mean, it only makes sense, right? That's yeah. exactly what you would need. So that's a good one for sure. Yeah. That actually sounds like a really fun character. Yeah. I'm actually really happy with yeah. that. <laughs> All right. So that, that actually does bring me back to why I would counter signal what we do. And we do this a lot is we like create these very, I, I don't want to say Gary Stew style, but we do kill Gary like Stu. Gary Stew, Mary Stew. Oh. Very, very important, perfect characters who do very important major things throughout the realm. And it always works. But like in an adventure, it's like you're probably just going to be knocking goblins heads in and <laughs> Fucking up your uh, charisma th- uh, ability checks with the king, and then yeah, failing mean, to notice what the DM was hinting at the entire time. So maybe, maybe not. I'm gonna, I don't want to be like a huge downer, but like that does really happen a lot. Yeah, and being I guess. like this James Bond spy is probably not going to work out very well for you. I'm I'm going to go against that and say that that does kind of come down to a lot of the campaigns we have played versus what we could play. Again, when you are always focused on cataclysmic events then that becomes the main focus and you're right you're not going to have these opportunities to use these these crazy skills and whatnot but you could make a backstory that makes these specific skills worthwhile to what you're trying to accomplish and it's it's up to the player to be a little bit more creative than just bashing goblin skulls in so yeah i mean it's a little gary stewish but all D &D characters are that's the point is we're trying to make like these i mean okay that's not entirely true. It's better to have flaws than to be perfect in every aspect. But, you know, it, it's up to you to make those flaws. Maybe he's an alcoholic. Boom, that's something. <laughs> he's too good looking and women are attracted to him. Everywhere he goes. It's not a flaw. Stop. No. I, mean, <laughs> I, would, I would argue, though, with a, even a campaign where there's this cataclysmic event that this character can't shine. I still think they still could. They would, yeah. They would probably be putting themselves into the party to try and fix it, and it's not their normal thing they do, right? So they're kind of, but Normally, they're trying to adapt the skills they have to this situation because they know how desperate it is. Look at um any any um, any uh campaign moment uh that we've been in, like Horde of the Dragon Queen, where you need to start convincing allies for something. Like, you need to get them on your side. Uh, that happened in Out of the Abyss, even. Uh, though it's not been a main focus, there was parts where we're like, hey, we need help from all of these people. That's the type of person I'd be like, look, you're talking to everybody. Like, you got this figured out. You're better than all of us at yeah. this stuff. Maybe they but use... also kind of just the bard. I mean... To an extent, but what if you, beforehand, you're like, okay, so I know that I'm going to be going to this very important event. I'm going to be meeting important people. Let me uh, Let me find out what these people are doing right now. You know, let's look into their lives. That way, when you have a conversation with them, you go, 
Hey, so um, I've recently been reading, and I really like uh, this author. Well, you know, luckily you saw that they were reading that exact author's book yesterday. Now right. you've gotten in with them. You know, like using subtle things like that to just increase your your sway with random people that you need to get information from, that you need to be allies, whatever it is. That's what being a spy is. That's what, you know, using all of your, your tools is. So, I think I think this actually does fit pretty well with the quote unquote spy archetype. Yeah. It could be cool. Secret for sure. Agent man. Secret. Hey, also, What's it could from? be a woman. Doesn't have to be a male spy. Doesn't have to be the James Bond type. Have him be a fish person. A fish person? No, that would actually probably that would actually get in the way. <laughs> Man, woman, elf, even dwarf. But as soon as the fish person walks in, it's like, oh, so I see you're reading that author. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm very busy, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All they hear from there is like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, why didn't he learn common? His lips just couldn't do it. <laughs> that's actually, that is a great way for the DM. Uh, to fuck with their players when they think they've got this really, really like out of this world bizarre character. Your birdmen, your fishmen, your lizardmen, just like really don't treat them well in the regular world and pretend that they are very hard to understand because birds don't have lips. Yeah, they don't. Remember, <laughs> they, like there is zero reason a bird should be able to talk as a human can. Like, yeah, no, it's this true. is just physics, man. Right. So they walk into the bar and they order a drink and you're like, what? What? He wants a drink. True. There's real world examples of birds that can talk like humans. Parrots. You cannot they have can a conversation with a parrot. But they can make the sound. They yes. don't. They don't have the mental capacity to form unique own sentences and all that. But they can obviously make the sounds. Can they make M's? Can they use like lip? They sounds? are a little bit limited. They can do a lot. But it's really hard to understand if you create like a full parrot sentence. The real curse is that we name them parrots, and that takes a lot of p. They can't even say their own name. I don't think they could say parrot. I don't think they could say parrot. Don't know. We should get a parrot and find out. <laughs> I have seen people do Aarakocra parrots, which I actually thought was really cool. I never thought of the idea of like spicing up the bird. Like, just oh, yeah. pick a specific bird Instead for... Instead of just being, like, a white eagle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like I always just envision an eagle. But I've seen a parrot one, which I actually thought was was really cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, then yeah. you have the, yeah, the Kenku. The, yeah, they're a raven. Yeah, but they're, they're, the whole lack of sound is a part of the Yeah, they, they do right. go into their lack of lips, but they just make... Construction noises. Sound. Yeah, yeah, it's just I'm, nothing but construction <laughs> noises. <laughs> yeah and their whole thing is actually it's based around a curse and it's not like it doesn't say because they don't have lips they can't speak it's like they've been cursed to not be able to have unique creative thoughts and stuff like that but, sucks to suck nerds yeah. <laughs> um all right so i actually i have to say i'm a little bit uh happy with how this one turned out i was kind of worried that this bard wizard was going to totally suck Two full spellcasters well, makes it tough. Yeah, to argue against myself, though, we were talking about using scrying and clairvoyance, and that's why you get divination wizard. Bards just get those spells as well. Anyways. Yeah, but portent. Yeah, portent. <laughs> yeah, and I would love to then make this character halfling, so they get the reroll ones, and then give them the oh lucky Oh, my God. <laughs> Honestly, we pro I probably just should have stopped you as soon as you said divination wizard, and we agreed that we saw it coming. It's like, yeah, that's the conclusion. Right, just get your divination wizard. Yeah. Yep. 
Just get your board and die. It's just, yeah, manipulation of roles. And your DM's just like, why don't you guys ever fail stuff? And you're just like, I don't know. I've got no idea. You know, jack of all trades that you're... Right, you're, yeah. <laughs> all of your skills are just like, you know, plus four. Ugh. Yeah, if you take it enough, you get high enough, you get expertise. Mm-hmm. So, when did they get that? Third. Third oh, level. That's not that. Okay, nope. that's not that far in. Nope. So you can make a lot out yeah, of a high-level yeah, bard. Yeah, lower bard. And so then you get cut in words. So mm-hmm. Expertise, mm-hmm. jack-of-all-trades. Lucky feet. inspiration, lucky feet, half-lane, <laughs> natural luck, re-rolling ones, portent dice. And you're a huge toolbox. That's not an insult. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because you get those, you know, six or, well, probably more. If you're going two levels into wizard, then you get eight spells all at first level. Which, I mean, there's just a lot of good first-level spells. And new cantrips, too. I think three cantrips, which yeah. is adding... Oh, for a wizard? For a wizard, yeah. I mean, that's just... I think it's four, but... Whatever it like is, that. yeah. I mean, that's just good. That's you're just great, getting yeah. a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, you're, you, you've got everything. You are a tool box. Anything else? Nope. All right. Yeah. So, as usual, um, you know, if you uh, have anything that... Uh, you were thinking of or think of afterwards with the bard wizard that we missed uh love to hear about it find us on twitter that's monsters underscore multi uh or find our reddit post and then as usual subscribe to us wherever you can and just send us some love uh because we love you we haven't been saying that one recently oh yeah it's true. Review yeah. us. Currently, we're at five stars. You could be the difference. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a one just for fun. <laughs> Kevin, come on. Have some fun with it. He's actually going to quit if anybody gives us one. <laughs> <laughs> just think, we could be the lowest rated podcast ever if we really tried hard enough. <laughs> it would be an interesting balance, right? Because there's a lot of things like... So these reviews are on iTunes. Right. Um, there's other places, but the main one is iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and they have a lot of strict rules about what they will accept. And they will absolutely just kick you off. So really? that would be like a, yeah, th- this really interesting balance of trying to be as terrible and as offensive as possible because there's so many terrible reviews, but not so bad they just kick you off the platform. I meant specifically asking people to give us one-star reviews. Oh, I, I was thinking more like the challenge, like, like race you, to the bottom. Yeah, like being, being as, as awful as possible, again, without yeah. being kicked off. Yeah. That could be its own. That'll be our side yeah. side project. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, want to go into our Monster of the Week? Yeah. Let's all right. Do it. Good. This week's Monster of the Week is the Corpse Flower, an interesting abomination created either from the corrupted corpse of a powerful necromancer or maybe another extremely strong undead it creates a network of bodies and rotten corpses within itself that it uses to strengthen itself or create even like an army of thralls its big prevailing feature is its horrible odor and the party will likely smell it before they see or hear it it's a decently challenging uh monster at challenge rating eight and it's got plenty to deal with in your average grave setting. So what do you guys think about the corpse flower? I think flavor-wise, right out the gate, this thing is extremely cool. You have a giant flower uh, that, one, is alive. And there's really not too many plant monsters in D&D. And it also just, you know, can uh, just pull corpses out of itself and just, boom, pop down a zombie. 
boom, pop down a zombie. Uh, it's cool. That's my first thought. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's also the type of monster where I think it could be stand on its own. There, there's that the whole thing in 5e where if you just have one monster or w- one enemy in a battle, most likely it's just going to be obliterated. Mm-hmm. Just this one due to the zombies and its ability to heal itself and its three attacks. I think it can kind of stand on its own. No. Which is always nice. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I will say, though, that the challenge rating should be very much so paid attention to. I threw this against a party of level 8s, and this felt more like an easy encounter than it did an actual like medium or so. Um, it's it's definitely good, but I think that you're going to really thrive throwing this against like a, a party of level 5s. Uh, then it's going to be like a, a difficult encounter that you can really let this thing take the time it needs to shine. Uh, because, you know, its, it's main class features is uh, its corpses. So uh, it does contain at all times uh, 1d6 plus 3 humanoids, just corpses inside of its body. It can hold up to 9 dead humanoids. Uh, and it can use these for two different things. The first one is it can regain some health. Uh, it can digest one of the corpses, get 2d10 HP back, and the body or the equipment just, you know, gets strewn or thrown out and the corpse is gone. Can't use that one anymore. Uh, the other is that it can animate one of the humanoids into a zombie and just plop it down. Uh, and tur- yeah, just, it turns into a zombie that's working for it. As you said, it gets like these thralls. Um, so the thing is that takes a while to do. Uh, you know, it's like an action to pull that thing out and bonus. it's a bonus action. Okay. But you can still only do one at a time and zombies aren't that powerful. You know, it's not like if you're fighting eight zombies that you're really back up against the wall, but by the time you get to eight zombies, it's, it's going to be dead. I mean, the thing has 127 HP with an armor class of 12. Mm-hmm. You're really just in a race of them whittling it down. It doesn't have any extreme resistances that's going to keep it up forever it's just a matter of having this balance of pulling out zombies healing yourself and just trying to probably stay away just a little bit i think it's got a it doesn't even it's got a 10 foot reach which is nice with its tentacles and it does hit hard so it makes three tentacle attacks 10 foot 10 foot reach um each one is 2d6 plus 2 bludgeoning damage and then forces a dc 14 con save if they fail, they take 46 poison damage. So it could be 66 damage per attack if they fail a con save. Right. Which, I mean, is definitely a lot. Right. Um, now, one thing that's uh, really important, I feel like, is the Harvest the Dead ability. And this is something that you have to really plan for as a DM beforehand. Uh, so the Corpse Flower grabs one unsecured dead humanoid within 10 feet of it and stuffs the corpse into itself along with any equipment that it's wearing. And it can now use that corpse for its its corpse traits. Now, the way to use that, I feel like, is having this thing in a room with more than just the nine bodies that it can have stuffed inside of it. You want to have just, like, a room full of bodies. But I'm having a hard time thinking of a reason why there would be a room full of bodies for this thing to just start throwing at you. This is the slave room. This is the trash room. This is the <laughs> random body room. Watch out for the plane in the corner. So you've got, I think it's a good dungeon monster for that reason. I don't know about the corpses specifically, but it doesn't... I don't know if it feels like it has like a specific place where it should be. No, Yeah, there's not a lot of lore or reasoning behind it. 
Yeah. It just, yeah, a flower sprouts on the grave of an evil necromancer or a powerful undead. And if it's let, let, if it's left alone, it becomes a corpse flower. And it wanders the countryside in the forest, terrorizing people. And that's, that's kind of all there is to it. Right. I think there's actually an interesting, and these are often often overlooked, the little thing in the corner talks about growing, uh, growing corpse flowers. What does it say specifically? You essentially plant a bunch of necromancers and eventually you'll have a good crop in about a week. For corpse flowers. Yeah, corpse flower seedlings are quite useful for various purposes. I would like to really know what those purposes are. Is it the fact that you can just like are they are they for uh magical reasons or are we talking like they're really good at disposing of bodies? I use them to dispose of bodies. They're great at disposing of bodies, I'm sure. Um they do have a, a feature that I, I generally like, which is its stench of death. Each creature that starts its turn within ten feet of the corpse has to make a or one of its zombies, which is actually really important, um, must make a DC 14 constitution saving throw. On a failed save, the creature is incapacitated until the end of the turn. Creatures that are immune to poison damage or the poison condition automatically succeed the saving throw. Um, now, one thing I don't like is the on a successful save, the creature is immune to stench of all corpse flowers for 24 hours. Yeah. I feel like that always kind of ruins it, where it's like, we could make this something where it's like really debilitating, but mm-hmm. instead it's like, yeah, so it happens one turn and then, you know, You'll you'll roll above a fourteen pretty quick here, right? Yeah, when I was reading, that's what I was thinking. Where if you wanted to make this a little more difficult, that's a super easy tweak. It's just, right. Honestly, just get rid of that last sentence. Exactly. It just it, it you always have to make that save. Mm-hmm. I think that could up the challenge rating a lot. Right, because now you have to stay far away, not just from the corpse flower, but also all of its zombies that it can plop out wherever it really wants to. Um, say what is it within within five feet of the corpse flower, and then it acts after it in the next initiative order so it's probably i feel like it would be trying to play itself by moving away from the group is what i would think and trying to maybe retreat to an advantageous position and then just like putting zombies in front of it and kind of like using that as a buffer so that you can't just like attack it from all sides right yeah they could back itself into a corner and then put every put the zombie in every space and it has 10 foot reach so it could attack over the, the zombies them, but yeah but they can't is is it intelligent enough to play that sort of tactic um, it's seven seven it's intelligence that's <laughs> yeah it, no it's not that great at seven intelligence but that's not like that dumb it's gonna know how best to keep itself alive i'll say this about the uh corpse stench it without that immunity the fight can get really, really frustrating. Those uh, we we see this with fear. This is one of those things that your character gets affected by it, and three unlucky rolls, and you're just out of the fight. You're gone, and you cannot do anything. So I kind of lean towards always having that safety valve of immunity there, right? But uh, my idea here is there's very little reason there wouldn't be multiple of these things. It's a plant. Um, they. There's no reason a plant wouldn't get along with another plant. If I was some kind of weird, evil mob boss and I had shitloads of corpses of my enemies, yeah. I'd probably plant a few of these guys in my basement or in my, like... It'd be a pretty good intimidation factor, yeah. for sure. You just throw the bodies in there. They grab onto the bodies, they hold them in there, and I they slowly digest them for food. I'd have a few of these guys. Yeah. No, that's actually a great point. Uh, yeah. It could definitely be, like, a, something that it just somebody has for protection. Put a couple of those outside of uh, somebody's, I don't know, yard, gate, entrance, whatever. Uh, <laughs> it'd be a good uh, gatekeeper. Yeah, except for, I mean, they can move. Right. So you need to be. 
Well, that's why you constantly supply but why it with would, corpses. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Why would they move if there's bodies all over the place next? <laughs> right. It's like, well, what do you do? Well, I find bodies. Well, here you go. Here's bodies. Yeah. You know, um, I also think it'd be good to show up maybe if there was like a, a recent war nearby, like a recent battle, and there's just like bodies kind of lying out, and they're in that process of like, all right, we got to go collect bodies, and that's not like a day-long job. It could take a while. You, know, you got a corpse plant, just like rise up and then just start or maybe just comes out of the woods and just starts taking the corpses. And now they're like, ah, crap. We, uh, we might need some help with this one because it's, it's kind of just popping out zombies every time we get close. Right. <laughs> it's turning it all smells. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's something that you would request some adventurers for. It's a kind of a cool world building idea with that. Where in these war torn regions, the corpse flowers are very, very prevalent mm-hmm. to the point where in kind of a little like a grim dark type thing after the the eve of a battle and the battlefield is strewn of bodies and corpses and the sun's setting and it's dark and everything's just ravaged and the sky's gray. Everyone's sad these, because their friends are dead. Yeah, and there's these you look out over the battlefield and it's dead silent except for these silhouettes of all these corpse flowers coming out of the forest, plucking up these corpses and disappearing off and yeah. everyone just sits there and just watches because there's nothing they can right, do. Right, right. They're like, well, at least the corpse flowers aren't going to attack us today. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Okay, I like that a lot. But, I, yeah, I mean, it's so it's a cool kind of one-off encounter. Yes. Thing. Yes, yeah, set it up, like, to have somebody trying to control it or, like, mob boss, like you were saying, or a random encounter in the forest or the dungeon. Right. But that's about it. For I mean, sure. Which is, which is okay. That's uh-huh. fine. But yeah, there's not much more to them. No. No, I wouldn't be like, oh, you're going to go through a dungeon that's just filled with corpse flowers. And it's going to get more and more interesting every room, right? No, you just, you're bored. You know, there's not much variation. Uh, once you figure out how to defeat it, which really comes down to stay far back and do big bursts of damage, you know, it's not the end of the world. You're going to have some issues with your, your up-close melee fighters, but... Yeah, your wizard's just in the back, just yeah, shooting out fireballs. This is another, this is pretty common, actually. And it's why a lot of ranged stuff is a little bit moderately gimped in this game. You can kite this thing. Easy. Yeah. It is slow. It has no AC. None at all. Nope. And it has low 12. health. Yeah, 12 AC, speed of 20. Right. So you, you once again, have to set it up so that... Your dickbag archer can't stand 500 feet away and just put it arrows into it all day long. Right. Yeah, and I mean, I think you could... Uh, one thing to note is it does have, like, a climb speed. Exactly. So that's a good way that you could get more of a surprise round for this, which might be really necessary uh, to you know, have it climb down off the walls and get the, the ranged person in back. So that way you're initiating combat with them now having to deal with being incapacitated if they fail and up close where they don't want to be and all of your melee folks are you know a little bit further away and they have to step into the stench they have to now have zombies placed in front of them um i definitely wouldn't start this where your party walks and this is exactly how i did it so i'm kind of laughing at myself where they walk into a room and it's like all right there it is 40 feet away oh. and yeah and like now they gotta you know move close i might have done less than 40 like 30 feet away but it, you know it's still like you know now it's spending its entire turn moving closer and it's making its attack but it shouldn't ever be the one moving closer you should be forcing your group to come to it to figure out how to kill it not the other way around probably <laughs> or just you know but yeah put them in in dangerous situations yeah or get more than one 
Or more than one. No, yeah, that's just, that's a great way to put it, too. at the beginning I said I think it could stand well on its own, two of them would make a very big difference. Yeah, no, for sure. That's a lot of corpses that yes. it can just... <laughs> zombies filling up. Oh, you're going to be so happy you chose an evocation wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Though, for yeah. what it's worth, it doesn't have vulnerability to fire, which uh, sure. I remember my yeah. players were really upset about. They're like, it's a plant. We can burn it. And I was just like, ha, ha, ha. It's a green plant. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Water content's too high, bucko. <laughs> um, all right. And that's all I got for it. It's it's yeah. really cool, though. I, I agree. It's like a one-time-off thing, but, I you know, it could be yeah. easily or glanced over. Or world building where it's... Right, right. But I think it could really people be People don't bury over. their dead, and they just they give it to the corpse flowers. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. That's good. That's good creepy. Or if you've got a player who's been dying, dying to use the horde wilting spell. I don't know what that is. The horde wilting? Yeah. I, it's like a really high level spell, but the primary thing is it does like crazy damage to plants. There's like seriously 12 plants in all I know, of the right? But like if, plant they, if your character oh, chose that spell. Say that again? Blight? Twig Blight blights? is one of them, yeah. Oh, okay. oh, that's a spell. Blight is another right. one. There's like three spells that deal with nothing but plants. There's almost or more they're spells. They're decent, with but then it's well, like yeah. maximum on maximum damage on plants. Right. I mean, that's really cool if they're cleric spells and you're like, ah, oh, I know we're about to go fight some plants. Yeah. But yeah, that's like almost everything gets a druid, okay. sorcerer, warlock, wizard. Finally, get and then like blight. death domain, grave domain, yeah. circle of the land. Yeah. Okay. Desert. So, yeah. So that's cool. That could be good. But at the yeah, same time, save. like when oh, you go, oh, actually, the decent spells, fourth level, um, makes a con save and it's 88 necronic damage on a failed. And then what's it with the plant? They make it with disadvantage and it deals max damage. Jeez. Yeah. Right. That takes out half yeah. the entirety of this thing. And out. if it's like if it's a non magical plant, just like an actual plant, it just withers and dies. Nice. Okay. Well, that could be really cool, especially if you're throwing like multiple at them, because you're almost guaranteeing that they're going to like be using blight to to get rid of these things as quick yeah. as possible. Now it's just a matter of like protect the cleric while he casts blight. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, say I think it would be a really cool monster to throw in. It was a cool monster. I just, you know, as usual, I don't I don't have a podcast that tells me specifically how to play monsters. So sometimes I do it the first time and I'm like, oh, I could have played that much better. So, you know, lucky for all of you guys, you can just listen to us and learn from from us. (laughs) For some reason, that just sounded like really douchey. It was. I don't know. It was supposed to be. Uh, I guess I didn't lay it on thick enough. It's okay. But I do mess up most of my encounters, like, all the time. <laughs> all the time. <sighs> You'll get it someday, bud. Probably not. Anything uh, else about corpse flowers? Nope. Yeah. All right. Uh, final note. Oh. Not loving the art. It's all right. Really? Yeah. I think it's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Oh, well. I think a, a flower full of bodies probably could have been cooler. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. All right. Cool. Cool. Thanks for listening. Next week on Monsters and Multiclass. Join us as we discuss the Druid Fighter Multiclass and the Sorrow Sworn from Mordekanen's Tome of Oaths. Mordenkanen's.